Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. What is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. Since you listen to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, I know that you have, at times, crazy and always creative ideas that you want to test out. Today's guest, Dr. Adam Drummond, did just that when he created a school-wide economy where students got paid It could spend the school's currency on a number of items and experiences. They also earned bonuses for modeling the school's core values, and there were many unintended positive consequences as well. That's the great part about being a visionary, about being creative, about being a ruckus maker. You have those first order principles that will happen as a consequence, but it's those second order things that happen that truly can surprise and delight us. We talk first how Adam built this economy and a school store as well as his new book, The Instructional Change Agent, up next. So Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. In the Mastermind, we believe that questions are better than answers and that there's power in connecting with other elite performers. Kevin, a principal in Tunisia, had this to say about his mastermind experience. I feel more connected to the everyday changes in education. In addition to being more informed, I feel empowered to bring new educational ideas and strategies to my team at my school. We'd love to serve you in the mastermind and welcome your application. Enroll today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. Using artificial intelligence, the TeachFX app enables instructional leaders to coach more teachers more often and more effectively. Learn how and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Hey there, this is Kelly Crane, expert coach with Better Leaders, Better Schools, and I'm going to share a tip of the week with you. Today, we're going to talk about holding office hours. I believe every principal should have an open door policy, but more importantly, you do need to manage your time. A way to do this is by holding office hours one hour prior to school, one day a week. You can have that door open. You can have people schedule 15-minute sessions, and that way you are allowing time for your staff to set a time to come and visit with you instead of trying to catch you at different times during the entire week. This protects your schedule. It protects what you are doing in order for you to get into the classrooms. So take advantage of this tip and send an email out to your staff and tell them you're holding office hours on whatever day of the week, one hour prior. That way they can schedule an appointment in order to come and visit with you. This does free up time and helps you with those distractions all throughout the day, but also gives you 
the ability to make, meet face to face with members of your staff. And it is so vital and important in this day and age to have that one on one face to face conversation instead of texting, emailing and Voxer. It is also just as important to meet with them and let them know that you are caring, authentic leader. So hold out office hours once a week, one hour prior to school starting each day. And I think you'll see a big difference in the way your staff and school achieve success. Dr. Adam Drummond works at the International Center for Leadership in Education and is the author of The Instructional Change Agent, 48 Ways to Be the Leader Your School Needs. Drummond's experience includes teaching and administrative experiences ranging from elementary to higher education. Drummond's mission is to empower leaders to boost academic achievement and build collective teacher efficacy. Dr. Drummond, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today. Oh, we're so happy to have you for sure. And, you know, Adam, I have to start with the idea of this uh, school-wide economy that you created. Uh, The listeners are ruckus makers. They make change happen. They break free from the status quo. I've heard about school stores before, but I haven't heard about school-wide economies. Like, you basically (laughs) created this nation state or something. So let's, uh, let's start there. Yeah, so we really were looking at a, a couple of different things that we wanted to do for our school. We had just went through the process of creating the mission and vision statement around this idea of excellence and wanting to ensure that all students could really apply their learning in a really relevant way. And what relevant way then to create an economy and a community within a community. And so that's exactly what we set out to do. So every student, grades K through five, had the opportunity to really participate in the school-wide economy system. Each student had the chance to apply for jobs, ranging from you know being the facilities manager in their classrooms to the assistant teacher. And students were able to apply for those jobs in their classrooms. And those applications obviously um, gradually increased in complexity from grades K through five. And so they were allowed to apply for these jobs and then they were paid each week. And they were paid based on not only doing the job in their classroom, but being present every day. Because in the workforce, we need to make sure that you're there and you're collaborating and working along together. And so students were paid every Friday. And again, that payment system was a little different in each of the classrooms and how the teachers paid. Um, We had Abe Bucks because we were Lincoln Elementary. And so they had these Abe Bucks that they were able to use. And then they could turn around and do a variety of things with those. We reached out to community partners to really build out our community store. And so it had typical things that a bookstore might have in there, folders, pencils, notebooks. But then we also put in things that were some of those basic essentials, you know, toothpaste, toothbrush, deodorant, soaps, and then special prizes every week as well. And so students could, you know, spend their money at the bookstore each week and they had an appointed time that they could go and do that. They could also save their money and do a variety of pieces as well. Um, Every month we had a drawing so they could enter the drawing with their money. And uh, to enter the drawing, they had to just put their name in and then also include the name of a teacher that they thought was exemplifying excellence. And so then that teacher was also recognized then at the end of the month with a gift card um, to purchase tour supplies for their classroom. And so it was just another layer to really build out this culture of excellence with real life relevant experiences. Were there any positive secondary, I guess, consequences that resulted that you didn't see coming, but were just fantastic for the culture. 
Yeah, I think, you know, one of the pieces is we really ensured that everybody in the school participated, adults and students alike. So um, we were able to give out bonuses. So adults who may be working in the cafeteria or were working on the bus, if they saw a student exemplifying the life skills that were above and beyond the expectations, you know, students were given bonus dollars and they could use those eight bucks as well. And so I think one of the pieces that we were really trying to do is build in this intrinsic motivation from an extrinsic perspective. And so we wanted to get away from the idea of candy and soda and all these other fun, you know, tangible things and really start to do some intrinsic pieces. And so we started adding in, you know, service opportunities, read with the teacher, be a principal for the day, you know, all these other things that really we wanted kids to do the right thing because it was the right thing to do. But we also knew that all kids enter that at a different level. You know, a good chunk of our students would do the right thing because it was the right thing to do. Others needed some of that extrinsic motivation and looked for it in ways that we could really then benefit them and a variety of pieces to move toward that intrinsic celebration of doing the right thing. I know that part of the economy and the store's success was because you formed strong partnerships with businesses in the community. I'm wondering if you could riff on that for a minute or two, because that's something that gets cut, right? A school leader thinks that she doesn't have enough time or maybe lacks the confidence to speak to this business leader and say, come on in, here's what we need, or just needs a starting point. Where is that starting point? So you've done that really well. And I'm wondering the lessons learned from partnerships. Yeah, I think the first piece is you have to develop those relationships with community partners, right? You can't just knock on a door and say, hey, I have this great idea. This is what I want. Give me money, right? It really starts with building out relationships and and thinking about how do I want organizations, whether they're for-profit, non-for-profit, other educational entities to form relationships with my school? And so a lot of that was me getting involved with the community from the very beginning as a school leader, jumping on committees, jumping on organizations and boards, being visible so that they knew who I was. They knew the mission of what I was trying to do at my school so that when it came time to implement the school-wide economy, you know, I had a relationship with three different banks in the community and just went to them and said, hey, I'm trying to create this economic system to teach kids a lot of great skills, including how to manage money. And I would love if you would take a look at this opportunity and see where can you help build and invest in this. And those relationships came because of the things that I did prior to. It wasn't because the economy system was the relationship piece that I wanted to have happen, right? It was really built upon serving on boards together, serving in organizations, inviting them into the school on a regular basis. And so I think for schools who are looking at how do we build out these community partnerships, it starts with a relationship. You know, they want to see that you're invested, not just within the walls of your school, but within the the lines of your community. And once you're out and about and they see the value, they see the passion you have for what you do as a school leader, they're going to get behind you 110%. And so everything that we did with the school-wide economy, we never really had to go out and quote unquote, fundraise. We had community partners that were constantly asking, hey, we have this, can we add some dollars here? Or, you know, Edward Jones was a great sponsor here in the community. And and so we could just, she just set up a $50 monthly payment. And so $50 a month just came in every month because she saw the value and the benefit of that because of the work that she was doing as well. Great tips. And if I could offer a few more for the ruckus maker listening, uh, some good places to connect is maybe the local chamber of commerce. You could check out Meetup uh, and just look for uh, small business uh, groups or entrepreneurial groups to connect with. And then here is my secret group to connect with. 
Toastmasters International. Not only will you level up your communication skills, but there's a lot of business owners that join Toastmasters because they want to be able to communicate more effectively uh, the value that they create. So that's the the secret tip. All right. That's awesome. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> I love it. You're writing it down too. That's great. So, so you wrote a book, Adam, The Instructional Change Agent, 48 Ways to Be the Leader Your School Needs. Why the book now? Why is it important for the ruckus makers to pick up? And by the way, it is available right now on Amazon. Thanks. You know, it's, it's one of these that's been in my mind just kind of circulating for years, really within my first year as a principalship. You know, I was looking as a school leader, where can I go to have these ready to use ways to impact schools? And it was just this resource that I kept saying, I wish it was out there and it was available that I could take something, read it and go and immediately apply. And I think today with school leaders in the, the driving change around student achievement, looking at ESSA, looking at the attack on education just generally, right? And it's now become this, it's really become this competitive landscape. Like it or not, that's really where education is right now. And so for school leaders, we, we want to give them resources so that they don't have to spend time doing the work of, will this work? Will it really help my community? They could go to this book. They could go in and look at the section all about culture. And they can say, man, I need ideas on how to increase student culture. And in that chapter, there's three ways that you can immediately go in and, and impact student culture. Or maybe it's around learner engagement. And I, when I go into classrooms, I see a lot of passive engagement, or I don't see a lot of communication happening. And when we look at the World Economic Forum and those 2020 skills that kids need, it's about collaboration. It's complex thinking skills. It's flexibility. And so if I'm a leader and I'm looking at how do I get those strategies, I can go to that, that section on learner engagement. And there's you know, 12 to 15 ways that I can immediately start to implement in my school to have some immediate success. You know, the ruckus makers really love practical examples. And you mentioned uh, culture or student engagement. Is there anything there that you could share that the listener can put into practice today? Yeah, you know, the one piece that I love about the instructional change agent is many of these ideas came from just people in the field, right? They're, they're, I've seen them, I've observed them, and have seen them work. And so this one that I'm going to share with you is Minute Meetings. And it came from a counselor that I actually hired several into my years into my principalship. And it was literally three minutes with every kid. And you asked three questions in these Minute Meetings. And it was to give students voice and to really find out what is it that's on the minds and hearts of our kids. And so, you know, those questions can be based on what you need. Maybe you have a lack of engagement. So it's what makes school fun? You know, a simple question like that. And you literally ask every student in your campus over the course of four to six weeks. Now, to be able to do that in larger schools, maybe you're bringing in your entire administrative and counseling team. So it's six adults now that are canvassing the school asking these questions. Or maybe you're a small campus of just 200 students and you can take that on yourself with just maybe your counselor. But it's getting that information, dropping it into a Google form where then you can analyze and identify themes and say, this is what our kids are telling us. So what do we do about it? And what what that way does is it empowers every student to feel like what they say and believe matters. And I think right now in education, that's so important for our students. When we look at it from a social emotional learning standpoint, to know that somebody cares about what I have to say 
really helps build out not only their confidence, it helps move them from a fixed to a growth mindset and builds out that somebody really cares that I'm here today at school. Fixed to growth mindset is always great. Uh, the fact that you're seeing and hearing all the kids, giving them voice, as you mentioned. And I want to say too, uh, to the ruckus maker listening, there's a temptation to expand. I bet that three minutes to six to nine to 12 to 30, don't do it. Keep some boundaries around there. It's amazing how much you can get done when you communicate to the student, you communicate to yourself. We only have three minutes, so we have to get right into it. Here's the questions, you know, let them have that ahead of time. So that was a very practical example. Thank you, Adam, for sharing that. Yeah, and I think, I think the other piece that you just mentioned, you know, as you identify the themes within those and keeping it that three minutes, you can go back and do a focus group, right? Let's say right. that, you know, this theme emerges from ma- the interview of the masses. Now I can go and do a focus group and dig deeper. And maybe it's a 30 minute conversation with a group of six to eight kids. So yeah. I, I think it's short, simple, stay true to the model of that particular way. And then there's always going to be a next step. What I'm hearing you saying is you unearth that data. Uh, and then the things that you really want to take action on, you, and you know, the kids that you've talked to, you said, uh, collected in a Google form, uh, bring those back, bring back those students as a focus group and dive deeper. And there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Absolutely. So Adam, I, I hear a lot about student centered decisions, which is, you know, and when you hear it, that sounds great. Like, yes, of course we should make student centered decisions, but I'm curious if you can define you know, what that means. And if you have any examples of very positive student-centered decisions that can be made. Yeah, that's a great, great question. So I think when we look at what student-centered decisions looks like, sounds like, feels like, it's literally for me, it's every adult in the school making each decision in the best interest of kids, right? It's making sure that this decision that I'm making may not be the best decision for the adults, but it's really what's needed for kids. So for example, you know, I know it was an unpopular decision in one of my last years as a school leader, but we kept having issues at, at recess time. And it was, be, it was behaviors of kids not getting along, not listening to the adults that were out there. And we had great support staff members, right? Great recess folks who um, loved our kids and, and was really doing the best that they can. But it's not the same as having a classroom teacher out there, right? Um, and having that same relationship. And so our teachers had, you know, 30-minute lunch, 30-minute recess during that time. And so we reworked the schedule so they still had their 30-minute duty-free time. But then they were out on the playgrounds with the kids during recess as the classroom teachers. And again, not a popular decision for the adults. But what I found with the teachers is that teachers started learning and knowing their kids in a different way. And we, we saw behaviors change. You know, and and some of our teachers may have decided to do lunch with the kids instead of recess, right? And so you're looking for ways to engage your teachers and your adults to really get to know the kids outside of that academic area. And that recess lunchtime, whether you decide that your teachers are going to do lunch duty and then they're going to their duty free prep or vice versa, it's about getting to know your kids in a different way. Um, Certainly wasn't a popular decision for the teaching staff, but it was a great decision for our students. And let's take a break. I'm enjoying this uh, conversation, but we'll pause here just for a moment for a message from our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. 
Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizedBinder.com. Hey, Ruckus Maker. Imagine if every teacher in your school had a personal instructional coach. Well, today's show is sponsored by TeachFX, and that's exactly what they do. But don't take it from me. Listen to what some of the teachers who use TeachFX say. Really, for me, it's just that number crunching of trying to give my kids opportunity to talk. I like your your little bar there with the red, white, and blue spaces. Mm -hmm. Because I was looking at a classroom yesterday and and going, oh, there's a a big chunk of time that I spoke. That when I see red, blue, red, blue, I know that I'm I'm dialoguing with students, I'm answering questions, and all of a sudden I see this big chunk of teacher talk, and I go, oh, okay. Learn all about TeachFX and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. And we're back with Dr. Adam Drummond, the author of The Instructional Change Agent, 48 Ways to Be the Leader Your School Needs. And we've been talking about how he started a school-wide economy. Uh, we were just talking last about student-centered uh, decisions. And I think the last question I want to ask you about the, the book, Adam, what's the win for the ruckus maker when she picks it up at, you know, at Amazon? What's the win for really digging into this book? Yeah, so I, I think the, the win for any school leader, whether it's a building-level leader, um, a district leader, even a pre-service leader, it's immediate application, right? So no matter where you start in the book, you're going to be able to pick it up. You're going to be able to view the table of contents really quickly and say, man, I really want to figure out how to build community walkthroughs in my school to engage families and community members. I can go to that way. And within five to seven minutes, you've gotten the what it is, why you need to do it, how do you do it, what if happens, right? What if something doesn't work? And then what do you do next? And so the readers walk away with this immediate application of success. And so I I think it's a great component to build out and to the the vision of what you need as a school leader. And I think the other piece is many of those ways have companion resources that obviously will be in the book as an appendix, but also there's a companion website that will come with that book that you can download those forms, you can ask questions, you can engage with other folks there. So it's going to be a really great resource that comes along with that book. Or immediate application. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is extremely practical and tons of depth that, you know, go to the website, download the forms and, and uh, take your learning deeper. Absolutely. Adam, what is one resource that's helped you level up in the last three months? Mm, that's a really great question. You know, I think for me, one of the best resources that I've um, read is Daniel Pink's book, When. You know, any of Daniel Pink's work is great. But, you know, it's about really digging in and and understanding why certain things work at certain times. And it really has shifted my thinking around not only productivity, but also strategically planning and organizing my thoughts um, around how do I accomplish what I want to accomplish. And I think in the grander scheme in education, I think there's implications around, you know, not only school schedules, but when do we schedule math class, right? Or when are our students in some of our more difficult classes based on what their strengths are? And so it's just a whole new perspective around the research that he's been doing and is a a really powerful book. I so appreciate that you mentioned Dan Pink's one. One, we read it in the mastermind and it was a hit. People loved it. 
Uh, but two, just five episodes ago, Adam, on episode 201, your episode 206, Dan Pink was on the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Great company to keep. And just in case somebody's listening for the first time, definitely go back and check out that episode. Adam, what message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for just a day? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, and just thinking about the power of that, um, you know, for me, the message that I would put on there is um, be the change you wish to see in your schools. You know, we, we're in an education system right now where we feel like lots of things are being done to us as teachers, as administrators, as students, you know, even in our communities. Um, but the reality is, is, is we can be the change that we want to see. Um, and it doesn't have to be at this macro level, right? It's at that micro level. It's about how I greet my students when they come off the bus in the morning. And am I, as a school leader out in the, in the lobby, greeting those kids as they come in? You know, is it making sure that when I see a student in the hallway, I'm, I'm telling them hello and looking at them in the eye? You know, it's these little things that we can do um, all about how do we want to be that change that we wish to see in the schools. And so for me, it's about making sure that we realize the opportunity we have each and every day to make an impact on lives. Because in education, we have the opportunity to impact three generations. We can impact the students, we get to impact their parents, and we get to impact the students' future children by what we do and what we say every day. And so there is no greater feeling and no greater opportunity um, professionally than to be in the schools and working with kids every day. I appreciate that, that perspective on impact. Uh, that's maybe the first time I heard that. So I, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you. You're building a school from the ground up, Adam. You're not limited by any resources, your only limitations, your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three? priorities? Yeah, that's a great question, right? You know, we, we always talk about if we had more money, we had more time, we had more of this or that, but to, to actually do that, you know, for me, my dream school would be creating opportunities for kids that get to take their learning and apply it directly out into the community, right? So we could bring in a community business to a, a group of high school kids and say, hey, this is the problem that I currently have. Kids get an opportunity to kind of brainstorm and ask questions, and then they go and they have two weeks to solve that problem. And then they come back and they do a presentation around ways in which that business or that employer could build out those solutions. You know, I, I think that the power of success happens within the opportunities we create for kids. And so having this ebb and flow of, of community coming into the schools and kids going out into the community, I think would be definitely a component of my dream school. You know, I think that would be the number one priority. I think the number two priority is that kids come to school feeling safe every single day, you know, and, and I don't know the answer to that. And there's a lot of political implications around what does safe mean and how do you make that happen? But, you know, we, we see the numbers, the staggering numbers around mental health and depression and anxiety and trauma. And kids can't learn if those things are barriers for them. And we're seeing more and more barriers for those kids. And so for me, I think another priority would be that every child can come to school feeling safe and secure. And I, I think the, the third piece, if, if I could create my dream school, I think that that priority would be that every, every kid can have the dream that they want and they can have the resources to make sure that they're reaching those, those goals for them. 
again, a, a huge priority, right? Um, that every kid can reach that potential. But uh, I see it time and time again, by the time kids get into fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you know, whatever dreams that they had are, are gone. And they're just in this almost groundhog day cycle of life at 10, 11, and 12. And that's unfortunate for our kids today. You know, they should come to school feeling like they can, they can reach the stars and that we have adults there who are going to help them and make that possible. Adam, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we've talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Uh, I think for me, the, the one thing that I want every listener to remember is 100% of the kids, 100% of the time. You know, we, we as leaders get caught up in, in much of the day-to-day tasks of what we do, whether it's answering emails, you know, Title I reports, end-of-year reports, evaluations, observations, walkthroughs. Um, but everything we're doing is for the betterment of our students. And if we can remember 100% of the kids 100% of the time, it becomes a whole lot easier to, to make a difference in the lives of our students. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.